Le Chaboté had wrought iron tables, chessboard tiled floor and red velvet booths. The walls were hung with photographs of famous singers and actors, but the mirrored stage only ever hosted strippers with space for a two-piece band at the side. Out back were a dozen small bedrooms where Madame Mercier's girls plied their trade. At night the club would heave with randy Germans, but right now it was empty. Lunch was brought down from the busy cafe upstairs. Soup to start, followed by smoked fish with potatoes and apple tart. Mark bolted down his first decent meal in four days while his feet soaked under the table in steaming, heavily perfumed water. Henderson ate more slowly, sipping a glass of red and talking to a young but tired-looking waitress. He probed gently. How many Germans come in here? Where do they work? Do they have plenty to spend? I bet you hear a few things you shouldn't when they're drunk. You eating that? Mark asked as he eyed Henderson's untouched tart. Henderson broke it in half with his fork, scooped one piece onto Mark's empty dessert plate and smiled at the waitress. Growing boy, always hungry. After seeing all the food queues in town, I thought we'd be getting black bread and mouldy cheese, Mark said with a great chunk of tart pushing out his cheek. Madame Mercier told us to look after you, the waitress smiled. Germans make the farmers sell everything to them at a low fixed price, so they hired as much as they dare. If you've got money, you can get all you need on the black market. Someone pounded the frosted glass in the basement door. As the waitress went to answer, Mark smiled at Henderson. We're at the jackpot, Mark whispered. Madame Mercier's laying everything on for us. Henderson didn't agree. Klaus knew something was up when he brought us into town. The woman at the OT office was expecting us. That waitress didn't just know we were coming for lunch. She'd been told who we were and what we were doing here. Now someone at the fishing port is trying to fix us a boat. They mean well, but they're not even taking the most basic of security precautions. The waitress came back to the table along with a kid who held three pairs of boots by their laces. There was scruffy black hair, filthy clothes and a whiff of horse manure, but no way to tell if it was a boy or a girl. This is Edith, the waitress explained. I guess the size, Edith said as she dropped the boots. I'd go back and get different ones, but it would take about ten minutes. Mark took his feet out of the water and grabbed a threadbare towel off the seat behind him. As he dried between his toes, Henderson picked up one of the boots and saw that it was new. These were like British Army boots, Edith nodded. They left millions of them, didn't they? Whole boatload of British boots and uniforms standing on the dockside when the Germans arrived. We helped ourselves. Half the town's wearing them. Jackets and trousers too. To make her point, Edith raised her leg and showed her own grubby oversized boots and cut-down khaki trousers. Mark slid on a boot that looked about his size. Not bad, he said, before looking over at Henderson. Got any of my socks in the back? Edith keenly eyed the other half of Henderson's apple tart. Go on, Henderson sighed as he slid the plate across. So I can show you around the dogs, Edith said as she pointed her thumb at Mark. But there's a lot less heat if I just take him. Why's that? Mark asked. Guards are soft touch with kids. Edith said as she jabbed out her tongue and licked crumbs from the plate. I'll show you the route to Kernaval, the waitress told Henderson. The fishermen who helped our Polish friends need to meet up and find you a boat. Henderson winced, hearing their departure plans voiced out loud in front of Edith. He was starting to wonder if there's anyone in town who didn't know what they're up to. The tiny spy camera was packaged inside a French matchbox, though its weight meant the disguise wouldn't withstand serious inspection. Mark kept it in his pocket as he strolled down a cobbled alleyway two steps behind Edith. He'd seen most of the major ports along the Channel coast to the north of Lorient. Some, like Dunkirk, had virtually been levelled, all the others severely damaged during the invasion. But Lorient was on the Atlantic coast. It had seen little fighting in the previous summer, and the RAF hadn't bombed it since. The main docks were just a few hundred metres from the La Chabotée, but U-boats were based a kilometre west on the Caramont Peninsula. This area had twin advantages. Dry docks where boats could be repaired out of the water, and a narrow entry point that was easy to defend against attack from the sea. Stop looking so worried, Edith told Mark. I've been here a hundred times stealing coal. Mark couldn't focus his mind. He kept seeing his knife hitting the German's chest and wondered if the man had been missed yet.
So what's your story? Mark asked when the silence got awkward.